Hello and welcome to the Premier League on Tap, your FPL draft podcast. My name is Nate, better known as Draftopia. Zach, aka Drafting for Upside, is away on international duty, so today's episode will be a bit different than our normal routine. Today's episode is a one-on-one with a Fantrax Fantasy Premier League manager. We'll cover their season so far, their preseason draft strategy, the standout players on their team, the punts that paid off, and possibly, if they're willing, their plans for after the international break and the time leading into the World Cup. I'm pleased to welcome Jacob Stevenson, manager of Che Only Way Is Down, who, unlike his team name, is currently sitting at the top of the International Genie League on Fantrax with a perfect 7-0 record. Jacob, introduce yourself, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got started playing Draft Premier League and how long you've been playing. Hi, Nate. Well, firstly, it's great to be here. Um, Another Draft Premier League podcast, which I think is always great to have some more content in the space. I know there's obviously a lot going on Twitter around now, but um, I love the podcast. It's always nice to have something to listen to during work. Um, Yeah, I'm from England. Obviously, I'm from a little town uh, just north of London originally, but um, a lot of my family comes from down near Southampton, uh, which is my team. Uh, I currently yeah, live in London, uh, work in London in a finance department um, and I've been playing uh, fantasy Premier League for three years now, well this is my third full season and I, it was actually through work that I got started on it so there was a group at my old job that had a league going and they had a spot in the league. I knew I was obsessed with football and played FPL and got me involved and I, I haven't looked back. Um, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. How, so did you start off when you first got started? I'm assuming you got started in what was like a home league. Was that just a bunch yeah. of coworkers? Yeah. So just a bunch of coworkers. We don't, we don't have a buy-in. It's purely for bragging rights. I think when you work with each other kind of every day, there's enough going on there to keep you entertained during the season. Um, it's kind of evolved now. Some people have left, including myself, but we still just run the league and if anyone wants to leave, then we have a couple of slots open and generally try and get people that still work together and or are mates with each other joining. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, how did you get involved in the International Genie League then when you started off with the Home League? So uh, the Genie League, I think through just looking at uh, the fan tracks Twitter, I know just trying to kind of familiarize myself with the format and you just generally, I know some of the Draft Society guys, they... Uh, previously wrote articles on the fan track track site so I think just through seeing some of those articles you then get into kind of the Twitter community, you see there are these big leagues which seemed really really interesting to me, there's a lot more going on than just joining like a private FPL league there's a bit of cash to pay for which is nice, Um, but yeah it's a really really welcoming community and I think the best way to be a part of that community is to kind of join the, the big leagues which have kind of 120 plus managers in yeah, yeah, it's not like you're going to meet all 120 managers, but you're definitely going to get to know the guys that are inside your little division. Um, there's definitely a lot of banter that goes on, some bragging rights to be won. Um, for those that don't know, how do you ascend through the ranks of the International Genie League to get into the Champions League division that you're currently in now? Yeah, so... Um... I was, I, to be honest, I was pretty bought into the fact of like having to do a classic grind all the way through the divisions and work my way to the top over a number of seasons. Um, 
and I started in Division 9 last year. Um, so this year it's more of a pyramid system. Last year it was just a pure ladder all the way up. But very helpfully, Jeannie runs the Rigged Cup, which is open through from Divisions 2 to 9 or Tiers 2 to 4 or 2 to 5. I think 2 to 4 it is now. Mm. Um, and it's like a Champions League style cup. Um, so I, through the team that I've managed to assemble in my division, I managed to win that kind of Champions League Cup and that earned me a place straight into the top table of the Genie League, which has definitely been a baptism of fire so far. It's been interesting seeing guys who've clearly had a lot of practice and know exactly what they're doing with their teams, um, are well-versed in draft fantasy. So yeah, it's been interesting so far seeing how different it is from kind of last year um, in playing. So this is really just like your second season of a community league then? Yeah, this is yeah my second full season. <laughs> I'd say even the, so the first season I did with um, the work home league, uh, I joined literally on the day of the draft. So oh, wow. I had no, no practice, no kind of warning of what I was doing. My draft was horrible and I kind of turned it around through the season. And yeah, this is kind of second full season. So... Yeah, to be mixing it up there with the guys that you see do a lot of the content either in the Draft Society or elsewhere on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's definitely been really fun. And yeah, the community, yeah, as I said, uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. Yeah, it's very similar to... Uh, it's, like, it's like a very, like, you learn as you go type thing. Um, because sure. I have a buddy of mine who I just brought into our home league uh, last year. And he, like any other... Uh, normal fan of the Premier League would he just is starting to pick all these big name players and they're scoring him like three four yeah. six points and he's like dude <laughs> what the hell is going on how the heck do I change this shit like my players are playing like ass I can't get any yeah. points whatsoever I was like dude it sounds it like counterintuitive but you got to pick these certain players because they score well like he's like but they're terrible like yeah. They're not. They're not terrible, but <laughs> it's a classic case of picking Chris Wood because he gets about twenty aerials a game. Exactly, um, and getting used to that. But yeah, it's. I I love it to be honest, and I'm sure as you've. I think is this your first season in kind of the community leagues as well? I think purely just being a part of the conversation and having, as you've said, those chats on Twitter with the group chats of everyone in the league and just kind of learning from everyone else and kind of understanding how everyone else views the game is just really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone is so different in their strategies and how they come into the game. And that's actually the next question I've got for you is uh, you've started the season out on fire, perfect record so far. Yeah. Uh, what was your draft strategy coming into the season? Um, initially, what draft pick did you end up with? Okay, so um, in the Genie League, I ended up with the seventh pick. So I think in four different leagues this year, I I think that was my highest pick. I didn't have a single pick <laughs> in the top half of the draft. So oh, wow. I was really kind of dealing with what you would say is the, maybe people would say the less fanciable picks. I think especially this year, if you look at who the top six picks were, I think there was a clear kind of maybe gap then to kind of the lower picks in the first round. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of my draft strategy, I think the key for me with the draft is to not lose during the draft. So you can, you can obviously set yourself up well. You can do really well, have some great picks that pay off, but you can definitely lose in the draft. If your first four picks all are duds, 
then you're going to have a real tough time, one, trading them out, and two, scoring only points or getting wins on the board. So for me, it was a, a key just to kind of get players down that I knew would score well and then just balance out that risk. Um, so if we look at if we look at my draft, I think my first pick in seventh was Cancelo. Who mm-hmm. I know there was some worries about Kukure at the start of the season, but I think by the time we drafted in Genie League, I think I was fairly confident that Kukure wasn't going to City. So I was fairly happy that Cancelo was going to be a great value pick from seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you think that if... Cucurello was able to get that move to City. Would it have impacted Cancelo at all, or would he have just moved to the right hand side and we would see a lot less of Kyle Walker? Yeah, I think so. I think Cancelo probably would have gone to the right hand side, but I think the worry was more whether his attacking profile would have been impacted by Cucurello being in the team mm-hmm. and whether Cucurello would have had that more advanced position on the left. And then Cancelo may have been restricted, and then mm-hmm. his kind of attacking and ghost returns wouldn't have been so good. Um, but so far, I'm I'm happy with how he's doing. He's on around thirteen and a half points per game. And he's you know, sitting at tenth overall right now. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, there were some other players I looked at from pick seven, like Diaz. I think Diaz. I I was actually going to pick until the point of the draft, and there was just a moment when it came to my seventh pick and I just thought no I'd rather take Cancelo there's just something about Diaz and Liverpool that I just wasn't 100% certain on with the kind of change up front with Nunes coming in and whether that will be a change or whether it'll continue but yeah I just went for kind of the safe bet for Cancelo mm-hmm. um, and then I continued that in the second round I went James Will Prowse in the second round who as a Southampton fan I'm, I'm sure you're unsurprised that I went for <laughs> um, but he's always going to give you solid returns uh mm-hmm. then it went a bit pear-shaped from there so i think i took zaha early in the third round which was a, well mid third round but i think that was a, maybe the earliest i'd seen him go in the draft that at least i'd been a part of and some other that i'd seen on twitter but he's performed really well so far um along with palace and then i think i had callum wilson antonio and scamatra in like the next three rounds or something like that yeah which was just so you uh, yeah. just overloaded on forward right off the bat. Yeah, I think I, it was just pure panic <laughs> at that stage. I wasn't really. I knew I had like a solid defender. I had a solid midfielder. Yeah. I took Antonio, and then I was terrified that Scamacho was going to start instead of him after about two weeks, which obviously hasn't come to fruition. And I think if you look at other players that went around the same time as I picked Scamacho, I think Mitrovic went the next pick just after yeah i was yeah. just looking i'm looking at the draft board right now as you're running me through it and yeah that i mean zaha that spot right there the only other player around that area that you would have been able to get is martinelli who is just scoring out of his mind right now but other yeah. than that after that it's kind of a drop off in players yeah, there I, that are scoring well um yeah and i think if you look at that genie league draft you've there was definitely the forwards panic where mm-hmm. all of the forwards went uh, earlier. They were already going early, but they went really early in that specific draft. Um, so yeah, so I was happy with. I'm happy with Zaha. Scamacha is probably the one real dud at the moment. I, I'm tempted to drop him, but I'm also kind of like because I think it's mainly because I picked him what round five or round six that I haven't dropped him yet. Um, yeah. And I just can't face dropping him and then someone else picking him up and then me being stuck with Antonio on the bench. Um, yeah, exactly. 
but yeah, I think overall draft strategy, I think I use the uh, ranker provided by Overthinking Football as uh, mm-hmm. a starting point. I think that was a great tool, and for anyone kind of using or looking to create some draft ranks next year, I'd definitely use that. Um, and then what I did from there was I looked at players, and there were certain players that I was just never going to draft. So we had um, Connor Gallagher, for example, mm-hmm. Christian Eriksen, I wanted to just stay away from because I just wasn't sure how his performances at Brentford would translate into United. And so it's proved he's not really scored well so far because he's playing yeah. deeper. Uh, Reese James, I just didn't want to touch because I didn't know what Tuchel was going to do with him. It looks now like he's probably turning around. I was going to say, it looks like he has some massive potential ahead of him now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, there's. I, I just picked out some players that I didn't want to draft. Antonio, I didn't really want to draft, but I think it comes to a point where you take the players that are in front of you that you think, okay, he's dropped around past where I expected him to go and at this stage it's probably decent value mm-hmm. not with how West Ham are playing but I would expect his points in some form to improve in the near future and I think West Ham have looked a bit better in the last couple of games yeah I think there was slight anticipation of a dip in West Ham's form um, I sure. know there was quite a lot of talk especially around Bowen who mm. scored extremely well last season but we kind of saw the writing on the wall and there was a slight regression coming in his future but so far that team just cannot string anything together in front of goal and those ghost points they're starting to tick up a little bit more now but it's just been quite awful for the first few games of the season yeah it's it's tough and i i think for me i think i'm i'm gonna hold the next few games you've got obviously wolves have got a pretty tough defense but then you've got fulham saints and bournemouth in three of the next four after that so you're hoping that there are going to be some attacking returns in kind of those games because mm-hmm. those teams have not really been able to keep clean sheets so far um so yeah so we'll, we'll see how those come through um, i do want to revert back to ward prowse here for a minute just because okay. you are a southampton fan so i, I yeah. would assume you have a little bit of insider knowledge that i don't know because i'm i don't watch them <laughs> every week um but as a WordPress owner myself actually just traded him out. I will not okay. tell you what for because I don't know if it was the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you think that his he, he's had a slight dip in production over the last few games, um, scoring quite low. I mean, for his average, pretty a lot of single digit scores this season. Is it because of the uh, injuries in the deeper midfield of role that he's had to drop back and kind of string the play together and he's not getting as far forward yeah so i think if we if we look he's had in his first four games he did pretty well and then the chelsea game he had 0.5 now that game he took up a completely different role just specific to the chelsea game mm-hmm. um he basically played in a kind of almost a 10 role but it was purely so he was assigned to Jorginho. so he, he wasn't where he usually is, and he played a specific role for the Chelsea game, which obviously paid off in terms of the result. But for fan tracks, that I think that was just purely an outlier in, in terms of what he was asked to do and just to cover Jorginho. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolves, nine points. I mean, I, to be honest, that's kind of around 
the level that you'd expect him to be at. And then obviously Villa, the last game was maybe, well, is up there with being one of the worst Premier League games in history. Um, <laughs> six and a half points. But uh, yeah, I agree. He he struggled because we we're already finding ourselves relying on Lavia, an 18-year-old CDM <laughs> who's had about 14 year games, which is crazy. But because Lavia was out injured, we played Warprouse and Diallo. And I think Warprouse and Diallo, they're both really eights. Mm-hmm. Um, so without having that defensive midfielder, I think they're both kind of, Warprouse is kind of doing a bit more of the kind of covering work, uh, going back rather than kind of having the freedom to get some more. And we were just terrible in general. So mm-hmm. um, I think he, he should be fine. Um, we've got some we've got City coming up but the other fixtures around here like Everton, West Ham, Bournemouth like I'd expect him still to be pulling in those key passes with set pieces get some tackles that he is going to be reliable Um, I wouldn't fret too much I think he had a really bad patch in terms of fan tracks and also a bit of a drop off at the start of last season as well Um, and then he he came good if you look at his points per game across the whole season like he was perfectly fine so I'm not I'm not too worried about him. Hopefully Lavia will be back after the international break or maybe for the city game, um, and that should help his points reduction again. Okay, cool. Um, so in terms of the draft, do you believe that your early picks are more important than your mid or late round picks, or do you think it's kind of the opposite of that, where you really want to nail your mid round or late round picks to really give your team the edge over um, the rest of the teams in the league? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think, um, as I alluded to, I think those those first kind of four or five picks, you can definitely ruin your drafts completely. I think you're if you choose badly over multiple rounds there, you're going to see the biggest variance to kind of other teams that have got set and forget players, basically. Um, but if I look personally at my draft, um, after round, well, round eight onwards, I only have Iwobi and Pope out of all of those players. And I drafted Iwobi in 14 and Pope in 15. So every other player from kind of the halfway point onwards, I've been perfectly happy to drop. So in that sense, I would say your early picks are definitely more important. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's going to be a couple picks here and there that, okay, Iwobi's turned out pretty solid and Nick Pope was an educated kind of pickup at 15 where I thought he's a great shot stopper. He's playing in a Newcastle team that had a great defence second half of last season. I know that everyone really takes goalkeepers in the 16th round and sometimes not all apart mm-hmm. from Allison and sometimes people picked up like Edison earlier but that was just a pick for me where I go well the alternative at that point is picking up like a, a Joe Willock a Ruben Loftus-Cheek an Adam Armstrong a Conor Gallagher so that for me picking him up a round early like you're not really losing much value and he's stayed in there and I think he's actually my top scoring player yeah um, so yeah you can you can pick up a couple punts here and there like if you take eight punts i've got two that have paid off basically from round eight onwards but it won't be been solid he's not like a top three scorer for me so i definitely say those first four or five picks are the most important mm-hmm. um and then you just take your chances round eight onwards and hope a couple at least pay off and then other ones i think i had i don't know i think i picked up like dan burn early on from the waivers but again that was someone that probably was in someone else's team from round 14 and they dropped early and then picked up so um 
yeah, those early picks, make sure you, if you're going to take a risk, make sure the other next two picks, you then make sure that you're getting good value. Mm -hmm. um, and then at least you're not going to be stuck if it doesn't go well. Yeah, I would think that the first round usually picks itself um, because the same 12 players are the ones that are probably going to be picked. Maybe one or two sneak into the first round that yeah. are somewhat of an outlier, but it's mainly the same 12 players that are taken in some sort of a different uh, order. But it's really your second through like your fifth round is like the wheelhouse of your draft that you really yeah. want to be able to make sure that you're getting really good value in that area. And then, like you said, once you get to the 12th, 13th round, it's, I mean, it's just, it's bench fodder at that point. Anybody's droppable. Um, and I think I said this before the draft even started on Twitter. I was just like, I think I ended the season last year with two players I drafted. Mm -hmm. The rest yeah. I've picked up along the way or traded for. And it's just, it, I, I personally don't get too attached to my players. But, um, I mean, when you are drafting, do you prefer to take, well, I think you kind of touched on this already with the, uh, the ranker is taking the best available player or taking someone in order to fill roster requirements. Like, I mean, we kind of already mentioned that you took four forwards in four consecutive rounds. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're more of a, um, looking at the war rankings and making sure you're getting players that are standouts. Yeah. I think, I think you've, whether it's whether it's war or whether it's your own rankings and how you value i think you you shouldn't get too carried away with kind of oh god i've only taken one midfielder so far so i need to take a midfielder in the next round because ultimately if you take a midfielder that's actually like a round seven or eight midfielder in round five you will have missed out on good value that ultimately post draft if you think you might have too many mids, for example, and I might have too many forwards after the draft. If we've both taken good value, we're going to be able to do a trade to mm -hmm. sort out. So those options are going to be there. Whereas if you focus on building out a nice rounded squad, but then you're losing value each round because you're like, I have to pick a certain defender this round, I have to pick a mid this round, you're then going to left with overall like a lower value team and you've got less trade value there. So yeah, I'm definitely an advocate for kind of schematcher aside taking, taking the definite value in front of you yeah. um there's obviously going to be the odd exception but yeah that's that's definitely my belief and it sounds like you probably kind of agree with roughly that as, as well um yeah if you yeah 100 players yep uh, were there any guys that were on i know there was a couple people on your do not draft list you wanted to stay away from a certain number of people um certain players with some question marks around their names um, were there any players that you kind of had your eyes on as a wait and see target, someone that is likely to go undrafted, but if they were to go undrafted, if they didn't get picked up in the later rounds, um, it was, was there anyone that you were targeting? Like, okay, I want to see how they do week one and then I'm going to hurry up and drop this player and pick them up right away. Yeah. I, I mean, in, in terms of, in terms of that, there was, I'm just trying to think if we have a look at kind of who I picked up kind of early on in the season. Um, yeah, I mean, promoted teams, I think generally are often like good, good shouts. So I think 
I picked up Harry Toffolo like straight after the second week. Obviously, it turns out now that he's kind of been replaced um, in the Forest team. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, those those promoted teams, I think Solly Marsh I picked up game week two, who I, th- I don't know. Sure, I'm sure he didn't go undrafted, but at the same time, I think he got dropped before this first week, um, and then I dropped six fab on him. Um, any of the Southampton players as well, just purely because we've got a load of young players. Yeah. And, I mean, it still stands with Southampton to now. There's not really like a set 11 where you go, those players are definitely going to perform every week. One, mm-hmm. because we're not performing every week. We're crap most weeks. Um, <laughs> and, and just Hassan Hood doesn't seem to be able to kind of really make his mind up. He likes kind of switching around based on who we're facing um, to varying levels of effect. Um, so, yeah, so those Southampton players are generally keeping an eye on. Um, hmm. And I think keepers as well. Obviously, for me, Pope uh, was, was turned out to be a set and a forget, but you never know, like Jose Sarr went undrafted in a lot of leagues last year. So I think it's always great to keep an eye out on keepers after the first couple of weeks and just see who's facing a lot of shots. Um, yeah, I was able to pick up Sanchez points. right away. So I didn't even draft yeah. a keeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think I did that in um, at least one of my other leagues uh, where, yeah, I didn't draft a keeper and I just thought, no, I'll... I'll see who's available and then I'll make an assessment after the first game week or two and then hopefully I can pick someone up for zero yeah. fab or one fab and then they'll end up being kind of set and forget. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you value risk versus reward? Um, like on a scale of one to 10 with one being you're very risk averse and 10 you're very pro risk. Uh, where do you think you lie as a manager? Are you willing to take some heavier risks to try and get that upside or do you try to get those players that are going to average around like eight to 10 points and just be safe bets? Yeah. I I think if you look at the champions league preview, I think, uh, in at least, well, in the community league, they said that my team was very underwhelming, Um, (laughs) but I'm topping that league as well. I think in terms of draft, uh, we've kind of spoken about that, right? Like first four rounds, I think I'm relatively risk averse. I think rounds seven onwards, when you look at drafts each year, I think you realize that rounds eight, nine onwards, like you can afford to take risks from eight onwards. I think a lot of people look at 13, 14, 15, 16, but from eight onwards, you can pretty much think, okay, there's going to be players that I'm going to be perfectly happy dropping after like one, two weeks if they don't come off. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to worry myself too much. Um, in terms of trades, I'm definitely, I would say, risk averse. Like, um, a lot got made of the amount of trades I did last year, um, but I will only do trades if I know that they kind of benefit the balance of my team yeah. or do what that I want them to do. Like, I won't trade for trade's sake. Um, you can definitely, same as with the draft, you can definitely destroy your team by doing trades and making rash decisions in terms of trades. Um, the amount of offers I've had from like Genie and other people is like there's just been countless in this top division and I'm not even sure that I've done a trade yet just purely because I've, there hasn't been something that I'm happy works for me um, yeah. but waivers yeah I'll throw out players I'll um, during game weeks I'm perfectly happy to like drop players if they're not in those kind of top five six performing players in my team 
other people I'm like pretty happy to just drop and pick up people on lineups mm-hmm. uh, just to get the wins. Um, I think the key is you want to put yourself in a position where your team isn't, for me, isn't boom or bust, but you're putting yourself in a good chance of winning against. What you want to do is be winning against over half the teams in the league every week, right? Yeah. And you'll take some losses, but if your team is scoring like a solid amount of points every week, and if you look at my Genie League, like I'm not top, but I've scored pretty solidly every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I aim for. So if you can just throw out players and not worry about the fact that someone that's done well for you in the last three weeks is now not starting or has got a horrible fixture and just pick up someone else, I think in that sense, I'm, I don't mind taking the risk yeah. because you shouldn't get to attach to the players that ultimately don't really have much value. I would agree. And just looking through your game week scores, you're, I mean, you're averaging probably 90-ish points a week. You yeah. haven't scored lower than the mid eighties, which is really good. Um, how did you attack last week's games when we had a couple blank fixtures? Um, I know personally, I went all at it, and I ended up with my first loss in the Genie League. Zach and I both had our first loss after our first podcast episode. Curse of the commentators. Um, but I turned around after that loss, and I think I dropped five players from my team. I was just, I, I was pretty mad, but they were also players that I picked them up just as a gamble to get me through the game week. But um, how did, what was your outlook, or did you have any players that you really needed to make a decision on whether you were going to keep them or drop them? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, again, the way I set up my team is. I'm always able to kind of drop three, four players like without worrying too much. Um, mm-hmm. So my team is generally in a pretty decent place. Um, I think I picked I picked up Ashley Young, I picked up Edozi, um, I don't know. I think I ended up picking up like Ben White as well just before the game week started, um, and that basically meant that I was able to play eleven players. I um, I think I only had. Veltman, March, and Zaha. Mm-hmm. I, I think I didn't. I don't have any Liverpool, Chelsea, Leeds, or United players in my Genie League team. So that put me in advantage last week. Like I was pretty confident looking at the matchup that I'd win. But what I would say is, it's going to put me at a, well, unless I trade in, it's going to put me at a disadvantage later on in the season when those teams have double game weeks, basically, yeah. um, mm-hmm. because I don't have that many players. So I wouldn't worry too much if you've like gone heavy on Liverpool United Chelsea players and you've lost because you only put out six players last week because ultimately those teams are doing pretty well and you're going to have a double game week later on like it will even out in terms of that um, so yeah I, I was fairly comfortable last week in kind of what I was putting out um, especially I think who I was playing had only eight or nine players so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I think uh, that kind of goes back into that risk first reward um, if you're a little bit riskier on the riskier side, you will take those chances, especially if you only have six players playing and you have a couple fringe Chelsea players on your team. Yeah, they have a new manager, but are you okay with dropping Gallagher to go pick up somebody that's going to start and could get you 10 points that you need to win your game week? Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I think especially especially in these divisions where you're going to have... For me, these these game weeks where you've got less games going on, 
in any in any normal game week where you've got ten games, someone could get a ridiculous score. Like anyone in the league could get a ridiculous score. But for me, looking at these game weeks, I target these game weeks because it's like, okay, if I'm up against someone that's only got nine players, if I can put out eleven, I'm giving myself a much higher chance of a win than in any other game week. Mm-hmm. And you've got to look at each game week and go, how could how could I give myself the best chance of winning like this game week? Like I don't I don't plan too far in advance if i can just keep on picking up the wins like each week or put myself in a good chance with all yeah. the fringe players then ultimately i'm gonna put myself in a relatively good position in the league mm-hmm. and so when you say that you don't look that far in advance um yeah i know personally i usually look always to win the matchup that i have in front of me but then i look maybe at most like two games ahead depending yeah. on players that i've streamed to see what their matchups are uh next week or the week after but when you're looking at something like that what's your philosophy on new acquisitions to your team do you usually have a long leash or a short leash on the player as like okay if i'm picking this guy up and i'm picking him up for this specific matchup if he plays really well are you looking to keep them, even though they may have a tougher fixture next week? Or are you cool dropping them right away, picking somebody else up with a shorter leash or with a easier matchup and kind of just moving on from there? Yeah, it's, it's dependent on the... Um, it's, I guess it's kind of dependent on the situation, right? You've got... You have got players that, say, like a Dakar. Originally, I would have picked him up and gone, okay, yeah, he's got... I don't know what game I picked him up for. It might have been the postponed game. Or, yeah, I think I picked him up after the the Brighton game, maybe, where he scored 24 and a half. And then you go, well, he actually scored eight points against Spurs. Okay, that game was 6-2. It was a bit crazy. (laughs) But he didn't get a goal or assist. And you're going, okay, well, Vardy looks like he's dropping off a bit now. So originally, whereas I probably would have picked him up in mine for just a week, now Mm -hmm. I'm going, okay, well, he could be a long-term pick. I think I really don't have a problem with if someone has, say, Bournemouth one week, say I pick up, I don't know, a Brentford player, and they've got Bournemouth this week, they do really well, and then I, this might not be a good example, and then who have they got next week? Okay, they've got Newcastle, which is a relatively tough fixture. If I mm-hmm. pick up like a Brentford defender this week, and they do really well, and then they've got Newcastle next week, I go, well, if there's someone better on the streaming, like, I'll happily just get rid of them. Yeah. Unless that's unless that's Ethan Pinnock and you've just picked him up, in which case mm. I would say definitely keep him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I think don't be afraid to just pick up and drop people. Like you've just got to utilize what you can see in front of you. Um, if you can see a better option, like always take it. Don't worry too much about oh he scored nine points this week, so maybe he'll do well again next week. Like what mm-hmm. you thought. If you're basing your decision off one game week's worth of information, and that's changing your opinion on a player then it's probably too small a sample size. Yeah. Um, going into the game weeks, when you have your lineup set, how many games are you looking forward to watching? And, I mean, obviously everyone has their the teams they support, so you're obviously going to watch the Southampton game if you're not going to the game. But um, how many games do you usually watch in a weekend? Yeah, I... I'd probably say it, it really varies. Like, there'll be some weekends where I don't have anything on. Like I, 
Um, I live in a house with four mates that I went to uni with mm-hmm. who are all football fans. So there'll be some weeks where if we're going to the pub or staying in, like you end up watching like the late kickoff on the Saturday, you watch both the Super Sunday games. Um, so I'd say it's generally like at least one game a weekend I look to, but then there's some weekends where I end up watching like all four games that are on TV in the UK. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a little bit different in the US because True. you guys have access to all of the games. Yeah. So, um, Which I yeah, find but- very weird. <laughs> that we have access to all the games but you don't <laughs> yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a strange one like I, I get it because there will be times when us lot in London like we, we go to like non-league games on a Saturday afternoon I understand mm-hmm. the kind of process behind it um, yeah I, I don't know if there's any like test or trial they could do to see if it did have an impact lifting the 3pm blackout on kind of lower league and non-league attendances because that is I think that's the kind of the main reasoning behind it Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want everyone sat at home watching the Premier League and then yeah. other leagues to suffer. I've heard but, that yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, if they could do some sort of trial, then obviously that's what they could they could look at. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. But for me, watching one or two games a week and then watching like match of the day and match of the day two is perfectly fine. And there's like so much content on Twitter in terms of people doing analysis, people uploading clips and. Yeah, bits and pieces that I think you do, you don't have to watch. You don't have to watch any of the ninety minute games really to kind of. It will give you an advantage, but you can get away with kind of making decisions just yeah. looking at Twitter and the kind of stats, and especially for something like fan tracks, right? You're you're looking at stats and you're looking at who's consistently doing things in a game and whose roles allow them to score ghost points. So yeah, and you can do a lot of that analysis just from kind of reading about the games. Mm-hmm. When you're making your choices on, let's say, streamers or who to drop, who to pick up, and you're watching those games, you're watching those little clips, and you're checking those stats, where is your ratio of eye test to stats and analysis? Um, I know Zach and I are more into the eye test versus the stats portion. We're probably... Oh, 60-40, 70-30, eye test to stats. What's uh, what's your ratio look like? Yeah, I'd, I'm definitely a lot lower on kind of a nat. Like, I don't, I mean, it depends how you look at analysis, right? So I know there's a lot of people in the community that like doing their own analysis and like applying their own stuff. I, I don't really do any of my own analysis. It's something that I might, would like to kind of get into a bit more. And I've spoken to a couple of people about like kind of how they look at, the stats and like how they started looking at stuff um, to kind of process all the data that you can get. Um, so I'm a, a lot more kind of, I like to call myself like a vibes manager <laughs> in fan tracks. So yeah. like, I, li- I like to have players that I can watch and I know that they're doing well and playing well and it's kind of enjoyable to watch, ideally. Um, I look at my team, it's, it's not as good vibes at the moment as it was last season. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm definitely more kind of eye test and kind of just looking purely at the stats and trying to analyze trends and stuff like that like I how could it not be good vibes you're undefeated it is it is good vibes but i also don't <laughs> like myself having like, trying to root for pablo for nows um, yeah every yeah. week i completely just, understand that yeah so looking at your squad now and looking forward into uh coming back from the international break you don't have to divulge all your secrets to us, but are you looking to make any specific moves after or possibly in this week coming up uh, 
preparing for after the international break? Yeah, I'm kind of, <coughs> excuse me, um, in terms of moves, I, I've made kind of my moves early. I think that there'll be moves made on kind of lineups as you normally would be streaming, but um, I bought in Musa Niakate, uh, the Brentford centre-back who had like one beastly ghost point performance in the second game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first game is pretty solid. I think he got called up to the international squad, so I've just picked him up on like a whim. If if I have to drop him again, like, it's not a problem. I picked up Luke Ayling uh, from Leeds. Mm-hmm. So again, like they've got Villa and Palace in the next two, so it's not terrible. Then Arsenal, then Leicester. So I see how he does. Um, and then I've I've picked up like Decore from Palace as well, who's had two great performances in his last two games in terms yeah. of fan tracks. So yeah, um, yeah, I'll I'll see. And in terms of trades, I mean, I'm there's nothing like active that I've got going on right now. But at the same time, like I I'm always open to kind of negotiating on trades. Like there's always players that no one's really safe in my team like if the right deal comes along like I would I'm not against like trading out James or Prowse like I'm not against trading out Cancelo if for example like, I would look at my forward line right now and outside of Zaha maybe it's a little bit light I mean there's mm-hmm. a lot of players there so if if a deal came along to like swap out Cancelo for a good forward and then I could just stream another defender like those are things that I'm always going to consider um, so I'm always kind of looking through other people's teams and just seeing like who's maybe lacking, who might want to switch out a player. It just is really kind of situation dependent um, or taking advantage of like good performances. So say Callum Wilson looks like he's probably going to start next game week. If he scores really well, is there a deal to be done with the Isaac owner? Like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... I know you just mentioned James Ward-Prowse. You're not opposed to trading him out. And I know I've said earlier that I already did trade him out. And yeah. I, kn- I said we weren't going to get into it. But yeah, as, let's get into it. <laughs> as a little special for the listeners that have made it thus far, um, in my home league, I accepted a trade that was Aubameyang, Perisic, and Sessegnon for yeah. James Ward-Prowse. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I don't, I, uh, I don't know. Perisic, Perisic and Sessegnon is pretty solid. I don't think I would do it purely because I hate Obama Yang. <laughs> so I, do I. I, <laughs> I just, I just don't want to, don't want to be drafting. I don't want to have him. I just not sure he's actually going to add too much to Chelsea. Um, yeah, and he, I know he, he had kind of the broken cheekbone or whatever. Like mm-hmm. When he was he played for them in what the Champions League, he just looked completely off the pace. Like I, he shouldn't have been playing that match really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those gambles. And if if Aubameyang scores a couple in what the next two games, then you're looking at that and going, no one's going to offer Aubameyang and Perisic if Perisic gets another two big performances for Ward Prowse. So you then so yeah, it's a risk. I don't think I would be quite willing to take that risk yet. Um, but it's definitely not an outrageous trade um, to make. Yeah, I just needed to do something to freshen up this squad because although I'm doing well in the Genia League, my home league is abysmal. The form yeah. is terrible, and I just <laughs> needed some fresh blood into the squad. So we'll see where it goes, but I don't know if I'm too happy with it. I don't know. We'll see. It's 
it's a risk, but I'm willing to take it in a league that um, I should be able to come back and finish in the top yeah. three pretty comfortably. Yeah, the home, the home, yeah, the home league's always one's way. You're looking at the pool and going, there's going to be opportunities for me during the season to kind of pick up some some sort yeah. of players. Yeah. So we're coming up on time here. Um, we're about. 45 minutes in we don't want to keep people too long on the international break we are going to have another one of these episodes with a uh, another interview with a manager so um, Zach will be doing that one tomorrow so we'll actually have two of these coming out before we get into our normal routine again but uh, before we go can you give us one or two players that you believe the rest of the community is either sleeping on and should be picking up or they should be looking to trade in for the rest of the season yeah, so yeah, I had a look at kind of under 30% rostered players. I think that was something that was kind of suggested. Um, so Decore, I think it's still under 30%. I, but mm-hmm. I would imagine in most community leagues, he's probably gone. But in your home league, it's probably worth a punt. I think if he ends up being a ghost machine monster, a la Joe Linton or someone else, you can, if, you, if you're going to be able to pick up like nine, 10 points per game with him, Obviously, that's lower than what he's got in the last two. But if you can kind of be consistent at that, then that'd be great. Even if you get one or two good performances out of him. Um, Aribo, Aribo is under 30%. If he, if he, one, can get picked, and two, get picked <laughs> in a sensible position on the pitch, I think he's had... He's, he's kind of looked... He's like teased at having some solid performances around seven or eight points. And I think... Mm-hmm. If, if we get Lavia back and Aribo's kind of starting in more attacking position, then um, he could be a good shout. Um, and then I, I guess Forrest forwards would be my other one, just purely because there's so many of them. Uh, I think Awaniwi <laughs> is probably under 30%. I think you've got Emmanuel Dennis, who's not really featured yet, but we all know has got kind of Premier League quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those kind of players... and. Look, Steve Cooper, he is a great manager and given the whole international break, who knows exactly how they're going to come out afterwards. Um, I don't know exactly who's been available to him in terms of internationals or not, but you never know. Forrest could turn out with like four or five different players in their starting lineup. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I mean, they brought in 22 players in the transfer window. It's going to take time for things to mold together and be able to pick your best 11. I mean, you have so many players and so many personalities coming into a different atmosphere. It's going to be a long settling period. I think that they are a team that everyone needs to watch for leading into the World Cup and then after the World Cup. We could see yeah. two totally different teams. And I, and I think with them as well, I think they are going to go out and try and win games like the forwards the forwards could be of good value like even if they're losing games like if they're if they're going out to try and win and getting a goal or two in a game then there there are going to be points to be had uh, Mm -hmm. Forest. well hey man jacob i appreciate you coming on taking the time to sit down with me and chat it's been uh, a good time to go over your draft and your league so far and hey man Keep up the good work. Stay undefeated because somebody has to. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll do my best. I mean, I, look, I'm sure you'll be up there as well. You're currently sitting what in, in third in Genie League overall. So, um, yeah, keep smashing it and keep smashing the content too because, yeah, I've really enjoyed it on Twitter and on the pod so far. And looking I appreciate forward to it. What else you guys have? 
Yeah, I'm going to go out and see if I can't find that uh, tweet about your team prior to the season starting, and I'm going to I'm just going to tag Genie in that and be like, or whoever created it. Oh, the uh, so yeah, I think the uh, I think that was in the community league. I think for the uh, I'll, fi- I'll find it. Is it oh, that's right. Yeah, it was reference yep. to like the group stages and kind of just uh, saying that my team's pretty underwhelming. I do remember that. Yep. <laughs> anyway, well, it's been great yep. to catch up. Yeah, man. Take it easy. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, mate. See ya. See you guys.